I don't never change. Here's God. Always will be God. God in the middle of the ocean. God in the middle of the sea. By the help of the great creator. Truly been a God to me. Hey, God. God don't never change. God. Always will be God. God in the creation. God when Adam fell. God way up in heaven. God way down in hell. Hey, God. God don't never change. Oh, always will be God. Spoke to the mountain. Said how great I am. Want you to get up this morning. Skip around like a lamb. Well, he God. God don't never change. Oh, always. Welcome back to Cynical Sheep. This is Aaron, and I'm here with Tony. And uh, today, Tony, how's everything going? Everything's going well, Aaron. How about yourself? Going great. Anything transpiring the last week? Hmm. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, one of my one of my best friends from school, man, had a uh, had a heart attack. So I went. He's good. Everything's good. Um, got a stint and he's out now but uh yeah uh kind of a scary moment there for for him so yeah uh yeah got to go visit with him uh over the weekend and uh that was good i told my wife we spent most of the visit sitting out in his yard and i said i i think i'm finally getting it the old men sitting out on the porch all that stuff. i think i i'm starting yeah. to understand what that's about now so yeah <laughs> <laughs> Digs up on you. <laughs> it's getting more enjoyable now. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yes, I'm, it is. As uh, one of the things I miss about um, uh, my dad, uh, Saturday mornings, I would go over to his house and um, drink coffee, and um, we'd sit there on his back porch and he'd smoke and drink coffee and everything else, and we just talk. And when I was younger, I was like, "Man, this is how can he sit here this long?" You know. <laughs> drive me nuts but then now i'm like that's i think my son thinks the same thing about me he's like how can he sit in one spot <laughs> and do nothing just listen to, what do we listen to sit here and listen to these birds what a little lame <laughs> dad you're such a nerd yeah <laughs> did you hear that that's a vodka bird i don't care <laughs> watch my tablet <laughs> oh oh man uh, this past week man i i i hit peak old white dude speaking of that yeah yeah he's in walmart <laughs> <laughs> yep okay I don't, even remember the, I don't even remember the conversation <laughs> i was up at the gas register and the guy was having a conversation with me and everything and uh he asked me if something's all right or something he asked something and i was like okie dokie and uh <laughs> as soon as it come out of my mouth i was like why did i say that <laughs> we can't keep it from becoming your parents yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. man well, today we're here to talk about um 
uh, Tony has a nonprofit. It's called Unite Ministries. And uh, we're here to talk about that. I've got some questions for Tony. Um, and Tony, I, um, I kind of want to know, like, uh, let's start from the beginning. I'm trying to keep from the open-ended questions so much. But, uh, like, what, what, tell me, like, the beginnings of what got you started in foster care. Um, just, uh, I'm going to let you talk most of this episode. Um, I may ask some questions here and there and everything else, but um, yeah, just kind of go over like the beginning steps, you know, what, what made y'all, you know, think about foster care, how it all transpired and everything else. And we'll kind of work up there to the, to the nonprofit. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah. I, I think our story, uh, I, I could be wrong, but I think our story is a little unique in the regard that, uh, and from the time that my wife Melanie and I had our first conversations about fostering until the point where we had uh, um, actual children in our home was, was about a seven year gap. And so um, my wife, we were actually still living in Arkansas and had, uh, she'd come to me and asked if, uh, asked what I thought about foster care and, uh, if I'd be open to that, God had really laid that on her heart and um, not going to lie at the time. I thought, no, uh, that don't sound like a good idea at all. Uh, we had six kids at home then. Uh, and um, we actually owned a daycare at the time. And I was already like, don't you see enough kids? So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but apparently that answer was no. And uh, more apparent was the fact that God had really uh, was really working on her. I, I, I don't know if it was a result, you know, of that uh, experience there at the daycare or just, just her softness is she's always had in her heart for her children and God uh, really impressed that upon her. So uh, I prayed about it. We actually went uh, to a couple of meetings and um, uh, kind of learned a little bit about the process there in Arkansas and everything else, what it, what it took. And long story short there, uh, life kind of happened, some, uh, some, some job change, uh, the potential of a of a move to a different state. And there was a lot of things in flux. And so uh, we just, we kind of put that to the side for a minute. And then uh, it was uh, uh, quite a few years later, again, it was close to probably uh, six years or so, fast forward six years, we're living in Louisiana and we had just bought the house that we're living in now. Um, and we've been here a couple of months and uh I remember um, sitting or uh, here talking to my wife, not far from where I sit now in our house. And I asked her, I said, um, have you given any more thought to, uh, to fostering? <laughs> and the roles were almost reversed. She said, uh, no, uh, she, she had no interest at the, at the time when it first hit her. Uh, uh, she, she said, well, let me pray about it. And uh, she admitted later that she didn't even want to pray about it because she knew what, what you know, what God was gonna, was going to yeah. tell her. Uh, yeah. And so, so that was her admission. And so she, I don't think she did. 
for a few days. And, uh, uh, of course she finally, she did, she prayed about it. Um, and, uh, we sat down at that point with all the children that were left at home. And at this point it was about four, uh, and, and I get it. Um, uh, I guess five of them are still at home, but, um, uh, Melanie, uh, part of her reasons were our youngest was uh, almost 12, I think it was. And so we were entering into a phase of our lives where it was getting easier for, for a change. Uh, we, we didn't have to always have a babysitter to go somewhere and all those things we had. And we were enjoying a little bit of freedom. Uh, yeah. But, but we, um, but again, that, that was such a, a such a, call on her to begin with and god had already planted that seed so uh like i was saying we sat down with our children and it was um it was a unanimous thing amongst all of us that uh i asked the question i phrased it as uh you know god's blessed us with this with this this beautiful home this nice home um among other things but like i said the house was new and everything and uh I said, how do we, how do we go about blessing others now? And, and uh, without prompting, it was, it was universal really at our, at that table that night that uh, our kids uh, said we needed to foster. So that's, that's the long and short of how uh, we got started. And then I guess nine, 10 months later, we were certified and had children in our home. Is, um, uh, I know a few years ago, like the numbers in Arkansas were somewhere like, um, like one in every four kids in Arkansas is in foster care. Is that the case in Louisiana? Is it better than that? Is it worse? I don't know if that's the same numbers now. I know not too long ago. That's what the numbers were here. It, it was, it was a huge number. Um, I'm not sure, uh, uh, in that regard, what the numbers are currently, uh, I can tell you that um, every year, uh, pretty much now, the, the state uh, of Louisiana, uh, they, they serve somewhere between seven and 8,000 kids uh, each year in foster care. So um, I'm not sure what that breakdown is, but I do know that the number here is, uh, is somewhere along those lines, uh, seven to 8,000 per year. Um, uh, or are at some point in the year with the, uh, within the foster care network. And, and there's something like, I believe over 500 kids now um, are right at 500 kids somewhere in there. Don't, don't quote me on that, that are available for adoption. That number may be a little plus or minus, but uh, that are, that are awaiting adoption as well. So uh, yeah, no, the numbers are staggering. Um, they're staggering nationwide, as a matter of fact. And uh, with different things, uh, opioid epidemics and things like that, uh, that there's really no, uh, there's really no change on the on the immediate horizon. There's a there's a lot of factors that are going into those numbers, unfortunately, rising every year. Um, if somebody could ask you, like, uh, if they're looking into getting to foster care, what do you wish you would have known when you first started in? Yeah, um, you know, uh, there's, a, there's a couple of things. Actually, because of the nature of this episode, uh, well, that's not entirely true. Pretty much um, 
uh, I discuss most things with my wife. And so this one, this episode in particular, and the questions we were going to answer tonight, I, I did go over uh, and ask her opinions on. And uh, we, we, we had different answers, but uh, I, I think uh, for her, she, she said that um, she wished she would have known the, the impact that childhood trauma has on the brain and how it develops and uh that has been an incredible journey uh, learning all about that and uh it's it's one of those things that yeah you kind of wish and they do now um uh the classes uh the certification process here in louisiana now does an excellent job of uh including training uh like that actually um uh, it's called TBR, TBRI training, uh, it's trust-based relational intervention. And uh, it's, that's basically it. It's the study of that trauma on children um, uh, from childbirth. Uh, it's, it's amazing that from the time a child is born, uh, what trauma does to the brain. And, and that really would have been helpful um, when we got started. Because you just, uh, you recognize things then. Uh, it puts things in perspective. The children we that come into our home, uh, the, the reasons they, uh, they do the things they do, uh, a lot of times they're defense mechanisms or um, you know, basically fight or flight, you know, um, or, or something like that. And it's a response to the trauma that most of them uh, faced well, well before um uh well before they entered foster care you know for a lot of these kids it's uh it's at childbirth uh you know uh, there's just so many things that go on that uh that impact the minds of children um and, and it's and if you think about it, it it's really some incredible stuff because we all endured trauma we've all endured trauma uh, right. uh of some sort and so man just to just to learn how that impacts us and uh uh and how the effect it has on our future behaviors and things of that of that nature it's it's really pretty amazing i think maybe the difference too like with that um like you said i think everybody's got some kind of they can point to whatever kind of trauma or maybe they can't point to it but you know they i'm sure everybody has suffered some kind of trauma in their life you know um, but I think maybe there's a difference in having someone there to kind of correct you when, ha with how you're dealing with it, you know, mm. and should kind of guide you through that process. But if you don't have anybody, you just kind of got to figure that out on your own and you're, it's more like, um, um, might be some arrested development right there in that area, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, and, you know, what's that do? Yeah. That, uh, that compounds your trauma, you know, a lot of times, uh, it leads to poor decisions and things like that. Uh, we don't have it, but again, it's just, it's amazing that, uh, they, they talk about the impact of, uh, just babies that are born in the ICU and, uh, how important touch is and, um, to a newborn. And so babies that are born and spent and spend you know an extended amount of time in ICU the imp impact that has I mean so it's it's not even necessarily always about you know the, the res 
the result of something a parent did, but uh, uh, but just the the resulting trauma just from you know those first first minutes of life. Uh, it, it's again, it's just some amazing stuff, and and you could you could spend a lifetime uh, diving into that and learning about it. Um, so that was uh, yeah, that was what Melanie. Um, that's what uh, she answered, and I think that's a. Uh, I think that is a is a good answer to that question. Uh, for me, I kind of went on the other end of the spectrum, and um, for me, I wish I would have known because I probably would have warmed to the idea quicker. I wish I would have known the impact it was going to have on our other kids. Like I said, they um, they were all in agreement, but the growth that came from our family's decision to become foster parents and a foster family that uh, man, that, that impact that it, it, it made on our children uh, and continues to make on our children. I never would have foreseen that. And I, I never could have seen what God was going to do uh, in those children's hearts uh, as a result of that, of that one, basically step up, step in the obedience to become foster parents. Yeah, I um, understand too that you've um, y'all have had some like firsthand. Um, I I don't know that y'all must say if, if anybody's listening, this is wrong term. <laughs> Forgive my ignorance. <laughs> like uh, y'all have had like experience with uh, kids with special needs and everything else. Oh, a- absolutely, absolutely, we have um, the uh, the one the third placement we had. Um, <laughs> I remember like it was yesterday, uh, I was meeting uh, with a DNA group, um, a couple of group of guys, accountability group, whatever your term may be, you call that, but uh, we were meeting. And up to that point, our first two placements had been really short. The, the, the children we'd had had gone to relatives and overall generally good experiences, good outcomes. Um, well, that third placement um, was actually uh, to a sibling set of brothers that we actually learned later had a pair of sisters who eventually came uh, and, and, uh, and joined our household as well. But um, Daniel, um, who we've since adopted, he uh, is, uh, is in fact a medically fragile child. He was born with cerebral palsy. Um, and I remember telling them before we got that placement, um, how I thought that maybe God, uh, maybe God's plan was because here we are, we're not even have, it doesn't feel like we're having any impact on these children. Our our first placement was like three days. Our second was seven days. And again, like I said, they ended well, but at that point, you know, we're, we're naive, 15, you know, 16 days in, um, into foster care. And, uh, and I thought, and I expressed to them that at that point, I thought, well, maybe God's, his plan is not that maybe his plan is, you know, for us to impact the families of the children that come in our home. Maybe that's where the impact is. And, and I believe it still is. I believe all of that's part of, uh, of, um, this calling. I think 
I think doing that's part of that bigger picture. But um, I remember telling them, and then and then these guys came along, and I realized that just how a week or two investing in those children and showing those children love, and uh, I really underestimated how much a difference love made uh, those kids. It, it was incredible the the difference it made. And, and don't get me wrong, it's not. I don't mean to say that their, that their parents didn't love them. Cause I, I don't believe that's the truth, but right. um, I don't know if they knew how to love them. Um, they were battling them demons that, uh, that certainly um, was prohibitive in them uh, making decisions uh, that would reflect, you know, love in, in, in a sense. Uh, right. But, but just doing those things though, doing those things that have been missed um, out of just love for those two brothers, it was, it was quite remarkable to see what God did through us in the lives of those two, those two children, um, both. Yeah. I mean, emotionally, physically, it was, it was quite a sight to behold and it really, it really changed uh kind of the way I looked at the whole thing. Uh, and honestly, my thoughts about the impact of love today are characterized by that placement with children. So is that, um, I'm going to kind of get into, uh, your ministry here, your nonprofit. Um, I guess kind of, uh, tell everybody, you know, what you do through that and everything else. Um, and, um, kind of how you got started in, like what prompted you to start the, uh, start up a nonprofit? Yeah. So, um, we were approximately a year or so into, uh, foster, foster care. And, um, we had already, we had spoken at our church and, and we're doing those things um, like that. We were um, we were in talks with a bunch of uh, people with DCFS, um, and we were just searching out different ways to get involved. Because what had really become quite apparent to us was that foster care for us was much bigger than our home. Uh, we we the impact. Uh, Eventually, uh, our, our home would become full by certification standards, or, or 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 something, you know, would come to pass. But how could we, or how, or yes, so how could we um, continue to impact the lives of children in foster care? And uh, and got it really again. He had just started to impress that on the both of us and uh and so we 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 started we started talking to people we started looking uh for other ways to get involved and we and we did but that was still there and then uh we belonged to what was called a qpi which is which is an initiative here in louisiana it's called quality parenting initiative um and as a result <laughs> there's little satellite groups of people that meet 
and uh, we belonged to one that was uh, a faith-based QPI. And so it was people within the network of foster care, uh, both DCFS and uh, foster parents or people involved with other uh, ministries that had a heart for um, had a heart for children, had a heart for foster care, but also, um, and most importantly, um, did what they did because of a love of Christ. So we met with this group for about a year. And what we noticed was every meeting, these same things kept coming up, um, these same pitfalls, shortcomings within the system. Uh, and so we didn't go into anything looking to start um, a uh, nonprofit that was the farthest thing from our minds. We, um, and I actually, I had searched out different, um, different organizations I already knew of that were established and kind of talked to them about, uh, about the ideas I had and maybe uh, operating a program up under one of their um, established uh, uh, nonprofits. And so that kind of conversation went on, didn't really get very far. And then I had lunch one, one day with uh, my pastor and he actually, or one of my pastors, and he suggested, uh, hey, have you ever thought about starting a nonprofit? And I was like, uh, no, that's, I don't think I got time for that. I don't know that's what I'm supposed to be doing, but uh a lot well, of sure time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, a lot uh, of paperwork. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, um, we we started praying about that, and uh, I already knew uh, of a few people that just had huge hearts for this, and I and I knew God had put them that, and I I knew God had put them in our in our past because they were going to be part of this team. Uh, at Unite that w- would eventually become Unite Ministries, and uh, and that's and that's why we had that's why we crossed paths. God, uh, uh, no doubt, sent those people our way uh, to do this and to do this this work alongside. So, when I was doing um, stuff like nine one one and uh, jail work and everything else, I got to work with some of the auxiliaries and uh one of them happened to be a social worker and uh they um you know they dealt with the uh, you know a lot of families here in arkansas and everything but uh um when the subject of foster care came up they were scared to death to foster a kid or anything but just what they saw um, in the system. Um, one of the things they said to, uh, you know, no, of course not, this wouldn't be all of them, but they said there were several, um, that knew how to work the system. And if they didn't, you know, they didn't get like maybe what they wanted, they, something that they didn't like about the housing situation, whatever they would, um, um, claim abuse. And um, I know for some people that may be a, a roadblock, you know, um, because you, I mean, even, even nowadays, just uh, with social media and everything else, just the accusation is enough to ruin somebody, you know, uh, 
for a while. Um, so it's um, what, what do you say about that? Like that, as far as that roadblock and everything else, do you, I mean, do you have any yeah. things with the things of that nature? I'm not, I mean, not, you don't have, had to get any personal information, but um, just some general advice or whatever. Uh, well, I, first off, um, yeah, I, I can see where that, I could see where that could be a deterrent. Uh, I can see, especially if, um, uh, if somebody is, you know, is those the intimate details of somebody that's happened to you. Um, uh, no doubt it happens. I, I, I'm not trying to diminish the, that and the fact that uh, that happens for me and Melanie. Um, uh, that that for me and Melanie, that's an easy thing. It, it's that would never be a fun thing to encounter, you know, for for sure. That'd be a difficult thing to deal with. Uh, but I, I think for she and I, we would be more afraid of not answering God's call we place on our on our lives than um, uh, than than anything that could come from something like that. Right. And, and, and you know, I, I think Aaron, it doesn't whether it's foster care or it's this, uh, this podcast or, um, or pretty much or my job, you know, what, what, no matter what it is, uh, I, I, my goal is to point people to Christ. I, I fell at that miserably at times, you know, we're fallible. Um, but for me, that's, uh, that, that, that is the end goal. And, um, again, I said, I, I'm not, no, by no means perfect. I definitely fail at that. But for us, uh, that's that's what drives us to do what we do. Yeah, we've had, we've um, we're we're not immune to it. We've had uh, not necessarily um, anything levied against us, but in in a rare case where we had a, a we had a teenager at one time who had a baby and an odd circumstance where the teenager was in care, but she had done nothing to lose her child. So her baby was not. And, um, right. and she loved her baby. Uh, let me say that she loved her child. There was, um, uh, something was mischaracterized and there was, I, I can speak to, there was no validity to it. Um, however, um, it, uh, it opened the door to an investigation that, you know, we have to answer questions about just simply because they're in our home that, right. you know, the accusations were levied against the mom, but since she was in our care and she was in foster care, we still had to walk that out. And, and that, and that was no right. fun. Uh, I, I, I won't, I, I won't downplay that. That was, that was not any fun, but, um, but that's no different than, you know, than any, anything else in life that we face, my, my trust has got to be in Christ. My, my trust, no matter if I go to my job tomorrow and, um, and, and, you know, whatever could happen there. And that if I lose that job tomorrow, my trust has to be in Christ, not in that job. And in the same way, um, my trust is in him when we step out and, uh, and we, and we do this. And, and then I think that's, true uh, of the majority of foster parents um and so uh, unfortunately you know there there's cases where 
where things happen too. Uh, a, and so um, we've seen it, you know, it's, it's happened enough. We, we know that happens. Uh, but, but again, for me and for us, uh, that's, that, that, that is at the end of the day, I can't, I can't fear that. I can't fear that. Cause that means um, a lack of trust in my God. And um, right. uh, for, for, so for us, for us, that's where our, that's where our strength comes from that, you know, that may not be, you know, for, for, for everyone that may not be the case, but, um, but for us, that is certainly um, where we, we find our ourselves and so that that's the question i would have especially for believers that were um that that might that might offer that up but um that would be you know my my response to them is that um is uh is the bigger concern you know that or is the bigger concern not being obedient to what god's calling you to right well if somebody wanted to get into foster care, where would you, where would you point them? Where would you tell them to go wherever they're at? Like, um, you know, necessarily if they're not in Louisiana or, um, necessarily wherever they're at, um, what kind of state agencies should they look at? You know, um, I don't know. I don't know if there's any scam artists hitting that, hitting that, you know, that life or anything, but, um, I, I think there was a adoption scams, <laughs> one time as sad as that is that's i mean uh, pathetic but right uh, but yeah um so yeah where would you point yeah. somebody that was wanting to get into that yeah um if 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 somebody was looking to do that uh i would say i, I kind of a twofold answer i would say a um seek out your local in, in louisiana it would be dcfs uh in other states, it's uh, DHS or uh, whatever your governing body is, whatever the entity is that uh, looks over health and human services, uh, uh, their foster care usually lies within that or that branch of uh, this, your state that you're in. And so um, I would go that route um, to find out the particulars. You know, what, what, is, what, is it, what does certification look like in your state? Um, how long of a process is that? Are there, are there requirements uh, that you, you know, may or may not meet? Um, and that, that would be the one, that would be one step. The other one that I would say, and this is one that uh, Melanie and I are, are, are huge proponents of, and we actually have done this on, on a number of cases, occasions. Um, and that is seek out a, a, a a foster parent seek out somebody that is currently fostering or has recently fostered that knows um the current uh the current climate the current um uh, protocols things like that because things like this change they change often like i said they the curriculum everything that they teach here in louisiana has changed since we came through uh just a few short years ago uh so yeah so seek out those um uh, we in the state of louisiana get a hold of me and my wife we, we would love to take you to lunch um we like i said we've done that a number of times and uh we would would love to continue to do that still one of my favorite parts about about this is the connections we make um with people and, and the majority of those times uh i know they're god-ordained meetings because the majority of those times 
uh, those those people that we have met with uh, become foster parents and uh, that has nothing to do with us so uh, there's no doubt in my mind that that uh, that we're the a piece of the puzzle that God's putting in their path but uh, yeah that that's that's my advice is to you know uh, look up your local governing agency and uh, uh, reach out to them reach out to um, some foster parents you may know and man most states you'd, you'd be surprised uh if, if you get involved uh and you love on your neighbor like we're called to do yeah most of most people are going to have a, a foster parent in their sphere now there's going to be one uh there's there's enough people that foster although um and can i'm gonna circle back for a second uh back to the issues that uh, occasionally do happen with uh with foster parents and, and the and the things that happen that that give it a a stigma and a um a bad name at times that's all the more reasons we need Christ followers to uh to step up to the plate and not again not we're we're not like we're not human not that we're not human not fallible because we are but um but but we need more we need more people we we need the church to step up we need the church to um it, I, it's sad that i have to you know uh part of my answer to this question is that you know i tell you to go find you know the agency that's over this because this was a church thing this is um, yeah the, you know, the G- book of james you know we're the we're the ones that are supposed to be looking after the widows and orphans and unfortunately uh this is a soapbox for another day because uh uh but yeah that's a whole uh, different yeah. episode <laughs> yeah, right exactly i mean three it, episodes of one <laughs> you got it that's right this is uh <laughs> you know that you know as well as i do this is uh this is just one of many issues where this is the this was the church's responsibility uh and unfortunately um didn't do enough and so it's become you know an issue that somebody else takes care of now but uh but yeah, that's just that's just more speaks more to the fact that we need churches involved, we need uh, we need Christ followers involved. Um, this we need to change the landscape of foster care, and we need to, and the church needs to regain its role um, in caring for the widows and orphans. All right, well, thank you, Tony. I appreciate you coming out and telling us about that today. And I think that's all we got. Um, yeah. And like Tony said, I'm going to end this on a a note. Go out and love your neighbor. And um, whenever you you feel like that, just remember his grace is sufficient. Amen. Y'all have a good one, Tony. You too, Eric. Thanks, buddy.